Filthy Henry, the Fairy Detective, Chapter 4. After what they had seen under the Phoenix Park, Jim and Frankie both decided against dropping the goods off straight away. Things had to be re-evaluated, stimulants removed from the body, and possible medical examinations booked both for their organs and in a mental capacity. Was that a rainbow? Frankie asked, staring at the road ahead of them with glazed eyes. I could only see a dome of brightness spinning around, like a grey-white sort of... We said we wouldn't talk about that again, Jim shouted as he looked for a place to park the car. It was coming up on noon, and they both figured that whatever had been in those vials was finally out of their system. The greasy breakfast they had gotten straight after the job had also helped a good bit. Jim had used the simple logic of a man who had been on a bender the night before. Find the first café that smelt like it was cooking up a fry, and order the biggest artery-clogging dish you could. Soakage for whatever had been drunk the night before. By sheer fluke, or unintended brilliance, it had worked. Half an hour after the last grease-covered slice of toast had been eaten, both Jim and Frankie started to see clearly once more. The odd-looking people that walked the streets of Dublin had faded away, leaving behind the expected normal people in their stead. With his mind clear enough to risk driving again, Jim had decided they should head to the drop-off point down by the docklands. At this stage, Jim just wanted to finish the job, and enjoy an extended holiday. Maybe speak to a career guidance counsellor about different jobs he could take. After the antics of last night, thieving had completely lost its appeal to him. Whatever happened to just giving a guy a crowbar and pointing him at a window that needed opening, he thought. The docklands were part of the city located, ironically enough, down near the docks. Once upon a time there had been numerous warehouses sprawled throughout the area, home to various containers for storage and what not. Nowadays, all that stuff was kept up in the actual docks and the warehouses had become derelict buildings with only a handful of them still used for actual storage. As they drove past one of the warehouses that had long since been abandoned, Jim saw a car up ahead pulling out from a parking spot. Indicating, Jim steered the car towards the spot and parked, bumping the curb with the front wheel. Maybe I should have drove, Frankie said, unbuckling his belt. Jim turned off the engine and opened the driver door. Just help me get this bloody thing into the warehouse, he said. Frankie climbed out the other side of the car. They walked down to the boot, opened it up and looked at the goods from the night before. That is if goods was an accurate description for what they had been asked to steal. With a gun to his head, Jim would have said it was a worthless piece of metal that should have been left where it was even if it had been beneath the strange light show, one that only Frankie was able to walk through for some reason. Do you reckon it's worth its weight in gold or something? Frankie asked as he reached into the boot and pulled out the crock. It looked no better in the daylight, that was certain. Jim wondered if the thing was some sort of antique. Rich employers loved their antiques. They would hire a whole squad of crooks, thieves, lowlifes and robbers to steal one spoon from an old widow living on a hill in the Galway countryside, all because the spoon had once been used to make a cup of tea for some king that visited the area a million years before. Rich folk were just weird like that. More money than sense, a condition they all suffered with. Frankie placed the crock on the ground and slammed the car boot shut. 
The crock looked like it had been beaten into shape by a blind blacksmith, one who had heard a poor description of what a crock should look like. It was made from some sort of iron, blackened from years of dirt and grime. There were no handles on it at all, which made carrying it somewhat awkward, and aside from a few random symbols that had been etched onto the outer surface, it was totally plain. A small child could easily have sat in it, but that would have been about the only use Jim could see for the ugly thing. Maybe it makes things you put into it turn into gold, Frankie said, picking the crock up once again and stepping onto the pavement. Jim snorted, laughing at the idea. Except somewhere in his mind a penny dropped. A dull penny that was nice and shiny by the time it bounced off the mental floor of his mind. He reached into his pocket and pulled out the car keys. Ordinary, simple, inexpensive car keys. He then tossed them into the crock. They clanged against the inside, causing the crock to ring like an obese bell. Jim counted to ten, then reached in to pull the keys back out. They were unchanged. Guess it doesn't change things to gold then, he said. Frankie stared at him. I was only joking, he said. You know, because of all the crazy crap we saw last night. Jim reached over quickly and flicked Frankie's left ear hard. He looked up and down the street, checking that nobody was paying them any real attention. Just bring the damn thing into the warehouse, will you? He said, pocketing the car keys once again. They walked down the street, stopping at a warehouse with a red wooden door. According to the instructions given to them by their employer, this was the drop point. It looked disused and abandoned. The windows had wooden boards up, covering them completely. Graffiti was sprayed along every inch of the walls, the typical dyslexic spellings of names and phrases. Kids these days, Jim said, stepping up to the warehouse door and banging on it. From inside came the sound of locks being opened. Chains pulled back and bolts moved. The small door, set into the larger wooden barrier, opened slightly on creaking hinges. Nobody appeared. It was as if the door had opened a little by itself. Jim pushed against it, opening it fully, and motioned with his head for Frankie to step inside with the crock. Why is it always a stupid warehouse? Frankie asked, stepping inside with the crock in his arms. Jim scanned the street one more time double-checking that no bystanders were going to spontaneously turn into witnesses and followed Frankie inside. The interior of the warehouse was gloomy and dark. A yellowish light streamed in from some dirt-encrusted panels in the roof. Somewhere there came the rustle of feathery wings, followed by the cooing of pigeons who were in no doubt squatting in the rafters above. There were large wooden crates stacked all over the place, like a game of Tetris that had gone incredibly wrong. Sitting in the middle of the warehouse floor was a large wooden desk and chair, positioned out of any direct sunlight. A solitary lamp illuminated the right-hand side of the desk. Seated in the chair behind the desk was their employer, partially hidden by shadows. I trust everything went smoothly, he said as the thieves entered. Please ensure the door is locked behind you, Jim. Thanks ever so much. Jim closed the door to the street and slid everything back into place, sealing them inside with their employer. Everything went fine, boss, Frankie said, strolling towards the desk and showing off the crock. Their employer leaned forwards, the bottom of his chin coming into the light cast by the lamp. His hand slid across the desk, reaching out towards the stolen goods. Jim noticed that they were strangely pale, 
but passed it off as just the poor lighting in the warehouse. They had never seen their employer during the daytime, or outside even. Not that it mattered. Most of their employers tended to hire them over the phone, or in some back alley pub late at night. It was just how things were done. Yeah, Jim said, walking back down the warehouse floor and standing beside Frankie. Everything went smoothly. Aside from the crap you made us drink. You make everyone who works for you drink that stuff? That's bound to be an illegal substance on some country's drug list. Their employer laughed. No, Jim, he said. That potion is only for a special sort of person in my employ. You should feel honoured that you had a glimpse into things most mortals never fully understand. Mortals? Frankie repeated the word, looking at Jim for an explanation of its meaning. Above them, something moved along the rafters, disturbing the pigeons. Wings flapped rapidly as the birds scattered. Jim looked up but could not make anything out. A shiver ran down his spine. Something about this little meeting was giving him the creeps, but he could not quite figure out what. His gut feeling was that things were not all they should be, and generally he trusted his gut completely. Francis, if you would be so good as to place the crock on the desk for me, their employer asked politely. Frankie walked over and dropped the crock down on the desk, causing the lamp to rock slightly. Their employer dragged the black metal container closer, turning it around slowly as he examined it in the light. Gentlemen, you have done very well, he said. You will go down in history for this one. An impossible crime pulled off perfectly. The alarm system proved to be no issue for you? Well, Jim said, it took a few minutes to get around all right. Some pretty fancy stuff. Did they get it in from Japan or something? I've never seen anything like it. I couldn't get past it at all, but Frankie was just able to stroll right on through. Not really sure why that was. Maybe you could explain that to me. Their employer said nothing. He simply sat there, and his little finger around the edge of the crock. Silence reigned supreme in the warehouse for a couple of minutes. So, can we get paid now? Frankie asked, showing signs of agitation. Because both of us are pretty wrecked after last night. I just want to crawl home to my bed. Yes, yes, I can imagine so, their employer said, as he continued to look the crock over. I'd say that you both saw things last night which made you think you were all dreaming all along. Your own little visit to Wonderland. You have earned a nice long rest. Jim was not sure why, but something about that last sentence did not sit well with him. It was one of those statements you would hear a politician make. A string of words that could mean a number of things, depending on how you interpreted them. He was never one for book reading or paying attention in school, but the thief knew enough about telling lies to spot one being told to him directly. There was a sudden rush of wind to his left, nearly knocking Jim over, and Frankie disappeared from sight. All that was left of his partner was a single shoe wobbling on the warehouse floor by the desk. What the hell was that? Where's Frankie? Jim said looking around rapidly with his fists at the ready to punch at something. Their employer had retreated back into the shadows, bringing the crock with him. All that could be seen of him was a gloomy outline, seated behind the desk. He was drumming his fingers along the crock. A hollow metallic ringing filled the air. Well, I figured that you'd both want to get a little rest after pulling off the job, their employer said. So I merely accommodated him. Don't worry, you can get some rest soon as well. The most peaceful rest you've ever had. 
Up above, the birds were disturbed once more, as something moved among the rafters like a ninja. Jim could feel his heart pounding in his chest, panic setting in. Panic that he had not experienced in a long time. Right now, he was in a situation that had not been anticipated. Frankie had vanished into thin air, taken by a gust of wind that haunted the warehouse. There were shadow ninjas roaming the roof above, no doubt waiting to drop down and take him away. It was like being in some old horror movie right before the killer sprung his most terrifying trap. Listen here, you, Jim said, putting on a brave face and waving his fist at their employer. I'm not scared of some parlor tricks pulled in a spooky-ass warehouse. I've knocked bigger men down than you before, and I can do it to you, no problem. There was another rush of air, toppling over the desk and knocking the lamp to the ground. Their employer was no longer in his seat, as if the wind had picked him up, just like it had with Frankie. Jim took a cautious step towards the desk, fists at the ready. He craned his neck to get a look over the desk at the floor. There was nobody there. Oh, this is getting creepy, their employer whispered next to Jim's ear. Jim whirled around, throwing a right hook with the intention of punching their employer in the head. He put his entire weight behind the punch, wanting nothing less than four teeth to be embedded in his knuckles. If it had not happened right before his eyes, Jim would have sworn there had been some sort of computer effect involved. As he turned, their employer looked at Jim's approaching fist. There was a blur of motion and Jim's hand passed through air, connecting with nothing. As his momentum carried him on, another blur happened and their employer returned to the same spot he had been standing in. He smiled at Jim, a smile which revealed a set of elongated canines that had no right being in a human mouth. My turn, their former employer said, as his canines grew in length. Jim screamed. Filthy Henry, The Fairy Detective is a novel by Derek Power. Other Filthy Henry novels are currently available to buy on Amazon Kindle. This audiobook version was narrated by Niall Milton.